0: Can you guys hear me? Is this good? Is this mic good? I've never used a mic like this before. I'm awesome. Thanks, Ken. Uh, good morning, guys. My name is Kenny Zuchuku. Um, yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Just wait till after the lesson before, OK? Uh, so I grew up in the West Side through the teen ministry. I currently am a student at UCLA, a graduate student at UCLA, studying health management and public policy. Uh, and it's good to be here this morning. Yeah, it's good to be here this morning. And are we good? Great. So I have a slide here. Here we go. Hello. <laughs> this was actually supposed to be out there before. I just forgot. Okay. So the title of my lesson is a life worth living. A life worth living. And we've been doing a series uh, called Jesus in His Own Words. We've been looking at what Jesus has said and trying to apply it to our own life. Ken asked me to talk about life today. Last week he talked about the kingdom. Today we're going to talk about life and I'm looking forward to getting into it. So this is me. So when I think about my life, you know, when I think about the lesson, the title life, I think about my own life. And this is me in eighth grade as you can see, uh, this weird-looking dude over there, and uh, I did a lot of weird things at this time of my life. I did a lot of things in secret, and I'm in Greece here with a bunch of my weird-looking friends, and we're there trying to pose. Just look at this guy here. She's kind of off. His name's Jonathan. I don't, know what ha- I don't know what happened to him, but we were all there in Greece, and this is me. And I just felt strange. It was a very awkward time for me. and I did things like this in secret. I would dance. You get the volume up? watch me where watch me Why me do- <laughs> Why did you do that? I don't give it to me. You know why you guys are laughing, right? Because you do the same thing in secret. You do the same thing. We all do it. And this is how weird I was. I was a very strange dude growing up. And I would do those things and no one would know, obviously. I would never post it online. So there's me, a strange dude. And at this time, even with all my weirdness, even in all of my insecurities, I was able to first have a real relationship with God. I remember going to a baptism and just being excited and overwhelmed at what I saw. I'm like, I want that too. So what I did, I studied the Bible in the teen ministry. I was in seventh grade. right? How can a seventh grader understand this? I just knew that there was something off with my life. So I started looking into the Bible. Because I would grown up that way. It's a good place to start, right? And I, and I did Bible studies and then I learned, thank you, I learned how much God loved me. You mean the creator of the universe, the most powerful being ever, could love a weird-looking seventh grader who would dance in secret (laughs) like me. And it blew me away. How is that possible? It makes no sense. Oh my gosh, I don't understand why you like me so much kind of feeling. And I felt like I needed to respond. This is my girlfriend, Sir Chauncey. She's in um, Jamaica right now. So she's not going to see this. You guys aren't going to tell her this. And and I just remember when we first started dating and how much I did for her. And how much I felt just the giddiness. The giddiness that I felt in that being in this relationship and how I responded to that. I remember one time we were at a restaurant and we were on a group date and uh, I was just making her laugh I don't know what I said but I was just making her laugh and the whole table we were just all laughing and it was two months maybe a month and a half into our relationship and then she blurted out I love you <laughs> we've only been dating for a month and a half I was blown away by that obviously I didn't say it back right there you know it was a mistake it was an accident right but I kind of got a picture of how much she cared for me. She really did care for me. Just a few months into our relationship, and it blew me away. Oh my gosh, this doesn't make any sense. Why do you like me so much? The giddiness, that feeling that we have, and uh, I just, I don't know. I, I said it a few months later, <laughs> to be honest with you, but it's because, I just responded well to that. When someone loves you, when someone cares about you, you respond. Your response is, I want to do more. So when I was thinking about her and our relationship, I thought about this scripture as we go to Philippians 1, verse 27. It reads, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And in NLT it says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. In other words, you've got some good news. Some really, really, really good news, right? Jesus, you mean Jesus, the the man who died for our sins like Nick was saying? Who gave us the opportunity, not a guarantee, an opportunity to connect with him if we choose to respond, right? That Jesus who loves us, the God who showers his love and he's crazy about me and he's overwhelmed that he wants to build a relationship with me. This weird seventh grader, this is a secret. That God loves me. And he's saying, as a response, as a response. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Who's saying this? Paul, right? He didn't change for Christ. He's speaking to the church. He's saying, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy, response. So, response should be, you should feel giddy. Uh, this is UCLA. This is Chris Mathis. For those of you who don't know Chris Mathis, he's a PhD student at UCLA with me, so we're grad students together. And this is Derek Rose. You guys know who Derek Rose is? He's an NBA player. Isn't that cool? Yeah, if I showed this to my girlfriend, she would have no idea. Uh, but it's great, because we were there. We work out together. We're workout partners. So we were at UCLA last week, and we just we were exploring, because we had some extra time, I think. And we just Walked into Derek Rose and I said, Derek, can we take a picture? And he said, yeah, for sure, bro. And then we took a picture. Chris is glad I was there because I don't think he would have asked him. <laughs> so the things that we do, um, we, we go to the gym. Lately we've been doing a lot of work outside, but we usually go to the gym and we lift, right? We don't really do bicep curls, but we see guys in the gym, you know, doing some bicep curls. And so when we think, when I think about a life worthy, I think about... Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. And what? You'll save yourself and who else? Your hearers, your hearers right? right. So, uh, What's that? First Timothy 4 verse 16? Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Look it up yourself, okay? <laughs> so, we're at the gym and no one goes to the gym and just works that one bicep, you know? No one does it. No one puts this weight down. It's like, today is my right bicep day and just go. Go. No one does that. Go. Go, alright, I'm done. Now, no one does that, right? When you go to the gym, you try to get a balance with whatever you're doing. You're trying to stay balanced, so you get both, and you go, maybe alternate, right? Some people, you know, go two at the same time, but you want to stay balanced because you want your, you want your right and your left bicep to be equal. You want to be equal, you want to lift and not have it off balance, right? It just doesn't make any sense to do that. And I think sometimes, We grab this gospel and we say, it's too heavy. It was too heavy, so we don't really work on it. But our lives are like, I can handle that. So we're just continually working on our lives, making it better. But we're not doing anything over here. So guess what? We're off balance, right? We're off balance, right? And the gospel is here. It's like it weighs you down. But you just work on your life rather than trying to get both and trying to work up. I don't lift these. These are this very. This Chris Mathis. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. So much shade thrown. Who says shade thrown? Someone said it to me the other day. I didn't get it. I... Guys, I got three main ideas. I got three main ideas. In order for us to live a life worthy. A life to the full, right? A life worthy of the calling we receive. received. We've got to connect. Connect to who? Connect to Jesus, right? First point. Second, we need to maintain and gain eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. And life. lastly, when we do those things, we can live life to the full. We'll understand how to live life to the full. Let's turn over to John 5, verse 39. Let's get into the Word. No more joking. John 5, verse 39. Guys, I've got to be honest with you. I've had some trouble connecting lately. I have some friends who have been going through a rough time. Some of my closest friends have chosen... To ignore God. People I've grown up with in church, people I grew up with, building relationships with in the teen ministry, have chosen to ignore God. They don't hate him. They don't even dislike him. They're just not thinking about him. And I know for us, I know that we've probably experienced that as well, right? Not not just our friends, but also ourselves, where we just don't feel motivated. We just don't want to try anymore. And we get to a point where we're like, what what am I doing? And you're, you're just the thought of connecting to God and having him in your life kinda of dwindles, right? Just no motivation. So it's taken a toll on me. It really has. And I'm realizing what Ken has to deal with all the time. You know? How can you how can you do this every week? How can you preach every week when you're dealing with all these issues? It takes a toll. On your soul and in your heart and it makes you start questioning things and in John 5 verse 39 I don't want to read it yet in John 5 verse 39 you've got Jesus here and he just healed a paralyzed man right you guys remember the story do you want to get well yes I want to get well grab your mat pick up your mat and walk so he did that the Jewish leaders at the time they were very very doctrinally on point right but their hearts were very far from God so he saw him pick up his mat, and he's like, why are you doing that? It's Sabbath day. That is, that's doing work on Sabbath day. He just picked up his mat. But that's how they interpret it, right? And then you get to the point where, like, who did this? Who told you to do this? Jesus did. Okay. I'm going to go tell Jesus something. So we, the Jewish leaders go, and they start persecuting it. They start persecuting Jesus. Imagine that. Jewish leaders. Perse- it would be like Mark Shump. I was thinking about this the other day. It would be like Mark Shump. Ken Chow and Chash just coming at me and just start persecuting me. What would I do? I would just be quiet. There's nothing I can say, right? These guys are very mature men with a lot of knowledge. So they go persecute Jesus. And we get to this point where Jesus responds. This is in his own words. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings. But I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Wow. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? to you. I know you. I like Harry Potter. You guys are gonna wonder how this relates, right? I like Harry Potter. And I grew up reading the books. Who who read Harry Potter? Who did that? Anyone? Okay, we had the team industry like, what is Harry Potter, right? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, so I, I read Harry Potter growing up and Guys, I—I I, I was. this is the one part of my life that I don't like sharing too much. Because it completely doesn't match up with everything else that I did. I was an athlete, played sports, that's who I am. But I had a special place for Harry Potter. <laughs> and I read these books, and when I would read it, I would get so into it. I wanted to get glasses, put the glasses on. I wanted to have a cape, and then get a <laughs> wand, and just start casting spells. Expresso Patronum, and... Uh, Obliviating all the spells that I learned in the book. It was amazing. I got so into it. I connected with the characters. You know, I read Harry Potter not just to know more than somebody else who also read Harry Potter, but because I want it to be in the fantasy. I want it to be in the fiction. I want it to be in the story. I think we can relate to that in our favorite books, right? But guys, why is the Bible on the ground? Harry Potter, that's only fiction. It's not real. We have the gospel here. This is real. This is real. And it dawned on me when I was coming up with this lesson that the Pharisees, they would study this thing out and they completely missed the point. The Jewish leaders studied this thing out, obviously the Old Testament, right? Because they didn't have the whole Bible then. But they would study it out, and they would miss the point. They refused to make the connection, because when you read this, you've got to connect to Jesus. And if you don't, then you're wasting your time. You really are. You're reading just to understand, maybe, for knowledge, to compare, to know more than your fellow Christian. Where are you at this morning? What do you do when you read the Bible? What are you reading it for? Are you connecting? Or are you just reading for pure gain? Just so you could have the knowledge. Just so you can say you know. Just so you can cross it off your list. Why are you doing what you're doing? I love the teen ministry. I, I talked to a parent the other day. And he told me that I want my kid to really think through things. That his parent was hurt in the past. With a bunch of uh issues that came up within the church so he's like i really want my kid to actually think through things before he becomes a christian He's a ninth grader and i said i totally agree with you doesn't that just make sense why would you build a relationship with someone because someone else forces you to that doesn't make any sense we need to ask why we're doing what we're doing and we need to be totally okay with what we're doing we cannot put it on other people church Connect to Jesus. Second point, eternal perspective. Now, now this is going to get a little uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me. But uh, my senior year in high school, I completely lost this. Completely lost this. I was doing things for the wrong reason. I remember there was this girl that I liked. It was Tate. She was on the women's volleyball team in high school. And I played volleyball in high school. And I just remember just being so infatuated with her. And I would... Uh, I would do almost anything just to get spend time with her. And up to that point, I was pretty good. I mean, I wasn't doing anything wrong in high school. I didn't drink alcohol. I wasn't having sex. I wasn't doing drugs. So I felt I felt like it was the time to kind of let things loose. And I remember going to this party, and um, and uh, I remember seeing her at the party because I know I knew that she was going to be there because I was kind of I was still kind of that creepy kid, you know, a stalker. <laughs> And there's still a part of that was in me, so I was like, where is she going to be finding out, talking through other people except for her? And when I got to the party, uh, there's alcohol, and I didn't want to drink. I'm like, this is dumb. I do not even like the taste of alcohol. My parents said, let me try a little bit. I just like, I don't like this. But she was drinking, her friends were drinking, so what did I do? I grabbed a cup and started drinking. The entire time I was smiling, I'm like, this tastes like crap. <laughs> but I still did it. I still did it because I felt that pressure, right? She's only there for a few minutes, then she left. I'm like, this is a waste of time. Why did I do that? But I've lost my eternal perspective. And do you guys know the story about the rich man and Lazarus? You guys know that story? You see, I believe in that story. I believe in that story. As you turn to Luke 16, verse 23, I'm sure you're already there. I'm sure you're there. I believe in this story. Verse 23, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. So for those who need some context here, there's a rich man and there is Lazarus. The rich man lived in luxury every day. He was dressed in fine linen, right? Purple, fine linen. Lazarus was a beggar. He begged every single day of his life. And they died. And they died. And Lazarus was on Abraham's side. So he's up with Abraham. And then you have the rich man who is in Hades. And there's some debate on what Hades is. But I just know it's a place that I don't want to be at, right? That's what I know. Whatever it is, I don't want to be there. So it gets to this point where this rich man is down in Hades, and he's like, can you please send someone, Lazarus, can you please send Lazarus, to just dip his finger in some water? Just dip his finger, and then just, I just, this is ridiculous! Why am I doing, why am I feeling this way? Just some, I lived in luxury my whole life. Why can I get some water? He's in torment. I believe this story guys do you do you believe this in a group this size with what we're here for I have a I have a feeling that most of us probably believe in a literal hell most of us probably do we have some we have an inclination to believe that or if you don't want to call hell right the place that must not be spoken about (laughs) Harry Potter reference right No? Okay, fine. Um, A really bad place, and there's a really good place. A really bad place and a really good place. And if we believe this, does our life reflect that? And I know, I know, we have a lot of distractions here. Acts 2, save yourself from this corrupt generation. There's plenty of things that we can save ourselves from in this world. But when I think about life, guys, I think about a beginning and an end. If we are not thinking eternally, then what are we living our lives for? The things of this world, right? Can people look at your life and tell that you believe in hell? I said it's going to get a little uncomfortable, right? But I'm asking this because I don't remember the last time I said the word hell until I prepared this lesson. Before I, I don't remember the last time I talked about it. Can people look at your life and tell that you've been saved from that? Can they? You've been saved from that. Many of you have been saved from that. How does your life reflect that? What is your response? What is your response? Do you even care anymore? That's a tough question, right? You can answer that yourself. I don't need to hear it right now. Let's let's close it out here. Life to the full. Let's turn over to John 10, verse 9. Whew, time flies up here, guys. I feel like I've been talking for five minutes. (laughs) Did anyone see The Ant-Man? Anyone see that movie, The Ant-Man? I've been plugging this movie all week for some reason. I saw it, and there's a scene. There's a scene where the evil ball dude, evil ball dude, brings in a sheep to test in his lab. I don't know if you guys, for those of you who saw it, maybe you forgot, but I remember this scene. He brings in the sheep to test in this lab, and the sheep, and then you know, his his fellow coworkers, female co-worker, asks, "I thought you were bringing in a rat. Like I thought we were testing a rat, right? So the idea of Ant-Man is that a person my size can get really, really small, right? And that's what makes gives the Ant-Man power because he can get really small, but he still has the same abilities as if he was really big. He can still punch somebody being really small, and it would hurt a full-sized person. So this evil bald science dude wanted." to get that technology, but he didn't have it. So he's testing things. He's testing things. So he used animals to test them. So he tests the sheep, and his female coworker says, I thought we were testing a rat. He, a rat. And he looks at her and says, what's the difference? Dang, right? I was like, I don't, I'm not an animal activist or anything, but I very much felt that. I'm like, that's a sheep. Come on, all right? You can test a rat. No big deal. But in John 10, we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd. Jesus is a good shepherd, right? And that he'll lead us to pasture. And it's funny because I saw that and I thought, Jesus would not let that happen to me. (laughs) I hope he wouldn't. But the sheep got zapped and he went to see Squish and it was disgusting. Anyway, let's go John 10. That was a dumb story. John 10 verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus this is a good shepherd, guys. He wants us to live life to the full. You guys know this guy? How old do you think this guy is? 10, 15, 20? He's 15 years old. Um, really good-looking guy. Kind of looks like me. You guys catch that? Guys, this is my cousin. This is Nadu. Uh, Nadu uh, died last week at 15 years old and he went with his friends, they went to a river, the Kern River in Bakersfield, and he jumped in, and it's a cool thing to do in Bakersfield, because there's not really much to do in Bakersfield, so all the kids do it, they jumped into the river, but the river has, like, undercurrent. So the third time he jumped in, the friends kept jumping in, the third time he jumped in, he didn't come out. And they waited, like, where's his body? Because it also had a stream, so it could flow down, but they didn't see his body, so... Two days later, his body surfaces in the same exact spot that he jumped in. Because he was just under the water. (laughs) We spend Thanksgiving, Christmas with them, almost every year. (laughs) What? When you think about a full life, I don't think about getting to 81, having a 401k. I don't think about getting to 90, seeing my grandkids grow up. That's not what I think about. I don't think about that. I think about for what you have on this earth, for the time that you spend on this earth, what do you do? How are you living? People ask me, why am I in the youth and family ministry? Why am I in the team ministry? This is why. Because I think at a very young age, you can get it. You can be a weird dude in seventh grade who dances in secret, and you can understand why you need Jesus. You understand that at a very young age. Sometimes we look at these teens and we discount them. Sometimes you get looked at and you're, you're looked down upon. People don't think you're capable because you're young. I'm here to tell you that. That's not true at all. You guys have minds. You, you guys are stronger than you think you are. Don't let people look down on you because you're young. Set an example. You guys can do it. And um, they do 15 years of his life. It was, it was great knowing him, great talking to him. Hanging out with them, and he did make a bad decision. But he doesn't have to. Teams like this, they don't have to make a bad decision because they can have mentors like Jenny Blanco and Chris Mathis and Daniel Bolton and Ubanks and they, they can have team leaders to help them. And Shireen and Laney and I can keep going. They can have these team leaders to help them. You guys want to live life to the full? It's not about getting to 80, guys. It's not about spending your time amassing wealth, feeling good about yourself. It's not about that. It's really not. It's about what you do when you're on this earth. What your response is to the gospel. Even if you're not a Christian, what is your response to people who treat you well? How do you respond on this earth? We don't know when we're going to go. We don't know when we're going to go. In closing... I've got some action steps to help us. Because we've heard all this, right? And it can be a little bit overwhelming. But I've got some action steps. One, we've got to communicate better. We've got to communicate better. And I appreciate John Thorne. I appreciate uh, uh, Cindy Whitcomb. I appreciate Catherine Schumpf. These guys are great communicators. If you want to learn how to communicate well, talk to these three people. Because... I can forget something and Cindy already have it in an inbox waiting for me. If I text her, she replies. (laughs) Let's respond to texts, phone calls, and emails in a manner worthy of the gospel you've received. Seriously. It's very, very basic. You know, when uh, my dad asked me, hey Kenny, We're going to have a family dinner. And he texts that. He usually texts like a group or something, or my mom does it. I respond. When they say, let's have a family dinner, it's like, okay, I'll I'll be there, and I go to the dinner. I don't say I'm going to my friend's house for dinner. That's not what I do. I go to dinner if my family wants to have a family dinner. If I can't make it for some extenuating circumstance, then I let them know ahead of time that I can't be there. If we're supposed to be family here, we've got to get better at doing this. Because it's not good right now. It is not good right now. I shouldn't have to chase people down to get them to respond about something that they love. Because their response should be, what can I do to help? Another thing that we can do is we can pray. Like, actually pray for one another. Like, actually pray. Many times, people come to me and say, Hey, Kenny, can you pray for me? And I have to think about it. I literally have to think about it. Because usually when they say that, if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget. Usually. Generally speaking, I will forget. So what do I do? I have, a, I have an app on my phone called Evernote. And anytime someone asks me to pray, I either pray with them right there, or I take a quick note. Saying, I need to pray for this person about this situation. I, t- I don't let them leave until I have it written down, or until I pray with them. Because... I actually want to pray for them. I don't want to forget about it. Prayer is powerful. I don't have time to do a lesson on it, right? But it's powerful. I hope you believe that. Two, be open-minded. Try something new. There's a song that I've been crazy about this last month. It's called Closer Than You Know. It's a hill song. Song. Some of you probably already know about it. But I want us to listen to it. Five times. You don't have to listen to it five times in a row. But usually when you listen to a song once, you kind of don't really connect with it. So I said five times because you can listen to it once a day. And after after the fifth time, I want you to text me something that resonated with you. Text or call me. I didn't put my number. For those of you who have my number, you can text me. If you want my number, you can ask me after service. But there's my email. Listen to it five times. And just try to connect, guys. I think that sometimes we can get close-minded in what we do, and we don't really branch out to try to find different ways to connect. But this helps me a lot. And I listen to the lyrics. Make sure you listen to it with lyrics. It helps me. Not because it sounds good. No, that's not why. Because I listen to the lyrics, and I can connect to it in a way that I can't in any other way. It's a medium. It's a medium that I use to connect. So I wanted to try that. So there's my email. Let's see how many people do it, right? We have what? Ken, how many people? 300? Come on. 400? That's a lot of text, a lot of emails. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll make sure to bundle it. You guys have the new Inbox app? No? no forget it. Forget it. <laughs> it just puts everything in... Yeah, wait, wait, wait. We can talk about it later. Action steps. So let's do that. Communicate better and just be open-minded and try something new. Final thoughts, guys. Guys, if we can brothers and sisters and friends of the church, if we can learn to consistently connect with Jesus, if we can gain and maintain eternal perspective, if we can communicate better, and if we can continually give our lives and respond to the gospel in a manner worthy, then we will understand what it means to live, to have a full life, and we will exemplify a life worth living. Thank you, guys.